0: As a vibrant part of campus life, our chapel gathering at Trinity Western creates opportunities for us to hear and be changed by God's story in Jesus through music, teaching, prayer, scripture reading, and storytelling. We're glad you're listening in today. We hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. of boomerangs boomerangs for everybody boomerangs for anybody boomerangs for nobody but this morning I want to send a boomerang out to you and to those who have been living in hard times Galatians chapter 6 is just one of the places that I want us to visit this morning as we focus our attention around boomerang for those in hard times. In 1942, the existentialist philosopher Albert Camus wrote his 120-page essay as he approached the meaning and purpose of life. In his writing, he used the Greek mythological figure and the story, the myth of Sisyphus. In doing it, he retold a story of how Sisyphus, possibly one of the Titans, and the brother Prometheus revolted against King Zeus. His punishment is that he was consigned to hell. Even there, he was able to manipulate death, and by doing this, to escape. Once found by Zeus again, he was consigned to spend the remainder of his life an entire eternity carrying a rock up a mountain. And once atop, that rock would roll back and he would have to repeat the process over and over. It was Albert Camus, the existentialist way of giving a description, a picture image, to his philosophy called the absurdity of life. That Camus believed that life at base was absurd. That you would repeat the same process over and over. A meaningless existence in what he described an unintelligible world where there were no eternal values or absolute morals. He said that that's how we live, that Your life is a meaningless existence. And the only way to put a face to Sisyphus with a smile on it is for you to agree this morning that life is meaningless, it has no unity or clarity, and that we live in an unintelligible universe. And if you can agree with that, then like Sisyphus, Camus said, you can smile even though you have to keep carrying the same burden through a redundant series of life. Unfortunately, there are those here this morning who actually believe that. That life is no more than random, boring events. Meaninglessness. Life is lived out on the same form every single day. Up in the morning, working, the same kind of job for 40 hours out of the week for the weekend and then the repeat the process. If that's how you view life, then you probably are Camusian in the sense that you believe that life is meaningless and absurd, banal and empty. But I don't think so. And yet, there are those who are here who will say, I may not believe it the way that Camus describes it, but I, like Sisyphus, I've had my days where I've had to carry the same weight over and over again. It's from that angle, not from the philosophical, but the practical that I would like for us to lean in together to observe, and that is there are times where it appears that we're carrying the same weight over and over again. There are burdens in life. I don't have to spend an enormous amount of time hopefully trying to convince you that life can have some hard times. I know nobody has to tell me that. I'm very aware that life can be filled with hard times. I ask you to open your Bibles to Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5 actually is a description of Paul's theology for hard times and how we are to minister or to care for one another when we're in hard times. It speaks to the person, and then it speaks to our partnership to other people as it relates to how we can truly care for people who are going through difficult moments in life. I won't say this in order, so look at Galatians 5. This is the first. Now, these sound the same in tenor and tone, almost the same in texture. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, it is here that we are instructed, for each one shall bear his own burdens. If you are going to care for someone else, there will be a time where you will have to first carry your own burden. You'll pick up in just a moment that Paul is not using the same word for burden here. In verse five, the burden speaks more of a military pack, like a overstuffed book bag that a student would take to class, trying to cram all six subjects in one bag. And that can be a load. In fact, uh, doctors are telling parents now, don't let your children overstuff their book bag it might make them lean to one side awkwardly grow and yet this is what Paul says to us that each of us will have to bear our own burden look at verse number 2 he moves us now into a kind of corporation of burden bearing because here he says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ the law of christ is not to be mistaken with the law of torah it is not to be confused with the ten commandments jesus said in the sermon that we call the sermon on the mount in matthews chapter 5 6 and 7 that i did not come to destroy the law but i come to fulfill the law in doing so Jesus says, now, this is the law with a face on it, and he points to himself. He says, now, what I want you to do is to fulfill the law of Christ. Now, Paul says, to a church that is being seduced back into the old covenant of living, he says, now, listen. You bear one another's burdens. And now he uses a different word in verse 2 for burdens than he uses in verse 5. Verse 5, he speaks of burden that is the size of a backpack. But now in verse 2, he says, Now together you carry each other's loads. That there are weights too heavy for any one person to have to carry by themselves. Therefore, you join in and shoulder the responsibility and you too get under that weight and help somebody carry that weight. 1 Peter 5, verse 7, but you can't really appreciate verse 7 unless you hear verse 6. And while you're fingering through the pages to 1 Peter 5, 6, 7, these are boomerangs. They are reciprocal and mutual and beneficial that if you send out, bear one another's burdens, then you know that eventually someone will bear your burden. And when you have to bear your burden alone, you don't have to bear it forever because Peter comes in and gives us another image about burden bearing. First Peter Five, six, therefore humble yourselves. Stop acting like you don't need anybody. Under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you when? (laughs) Well, when is due time? You don't know. Due time is his time. So it might be this morning that if you're under a burden of life, and it's a burden, it could be self-inflicted burden, A weight. I mean, it really got you down to your knees now. And you're saying, Lord, where are you? Well, if you are in Christ and Christ in you and you've humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God, the first thing is he won't put anything on your shoulders that you're incapable of sustaining. But he knows that you're not made to carry weight forever and at the right time, his time, after the burden has taught you the lesson that the Lord wants you to learn, he will lift that burden off of you. Here it is, look at verse seven there. Therefore, this is what you can do. Since God will exalt me at the right time, his time, there's no need in me trying to fake it and act like I don't need help and don't need brother and sister support. Now that I know the Lord knows where I am, I can cast my burdens upon him. Have you ever played catch with your children? Well, when I would play with my children, I would tell them, throw me the ball. And they want to hold on to it. I said, throw it. And they're holding on. I said, you don't throw that. And they want to hold on, I said, throw the ball. And, And reluctantly, they would throw the ball. Well, in a different way, in a different way, the Lord is saying to some of us, uh, throw me the ball. And you're trying to hold on to it. And the Lord said, would you throw me the ball? And you just, now it's my ball, it's my burden, it's my heartache, it's my pain. Lord, I got to hold on to my pain, Jesus. And the Lord said, No, you don't. You don't need that to feel alive. Throw your burden over here. And the same way you throw a ball in the hand of one who catches, is the same way the Lord said, If you throw your burden to me, I will bear your burden. And yeah, oh, what needless pain we carry. Now, if this is true, If what I've said is true, then it should be backed up through scripture. Now, proof text means that you find a scripture to prove what you want to say, but it may not be in the context. And so that would be a violation of biblical interpretation. That would be making the Bible say something that the Lord didn't intend it to say. You remember that in, in middle school. The English teacher says, Now, if you want to understand what it says, um, understand it in its context. You remember that. Yeah, you remember that. Because, because that's right, because con, a text without a context is a con. <laughs> so, what we don't want to do is, we don't want to violate the scripture and go saying, Okay, I'm going to make this say what I want. Now, this is Paul writing, Peter echoing, and he's talking about burdens. And in Galatians 6, in particular, where we said, bear one another's burden, bear your burdens, it is the image of saying, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, those of you who are more spiritual, you see that? It's in there. Who are spiritual, you should go and restore such a one. All right? I want to give you a picture in the Bible where Paul actually lives this very teaching that he gives. It's the most personal letter in all the scripture written to a fellow brother in the faith, a partner that Paul would call him, really his son in the faith by the name of Philemon. I want to show you these three boomerangs tucked away in this story. Of bearing your burden, bearing one another's burden, and casting your burdens on the Lord. This story takes place when Paul is in prison, which one we don't know. What we do know is that he's in prison. Paul sure spends a lot of time in jail, but we'll say that for another time. And while in prison, he is visited by a runaway slave named Onesimus. The circumstances by which Onesimus has run away, we do not know. In jail, Paul is about to lift the boomerang principle of bear your own burden. I tried to map this out in verses to see if I really could find it and so the verses that I placed was verses 8 through 16 that seemed to be the image of bearing his own burden as he writes to Philemon he says to him Onesimus has come to me and I want you to know I'm writing to you now as verse 10 an aged man Uh, Paul is about maybe 50, 56 years old he says to himself as an elder which really points out he's older than Philemon. So he's really appealing to the emotion of Philemon. He says to him, I want you to know, and I'm a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm I'm, I'm writing to you on behalf of Onesimus. I know he's your slave, he's run away, but he's been here with me in prison. He was not useful to you, but he was useful to me. Underline that because that's the definition of his name, Onesimus' name, useful one. Before Christ entered his life, he didn't live up to his name. He was not useful, but now he's useful to me. I'm sending him back to you. And he'll be profitable to you, and I want you to know that. And now I'm appealing to you with all my heart. This is me speaking from heart to heart, from pastor to member, from, to brother to brother. And I want you now, as he has ministered to me in my chains, he has helped me while I was here in prison. I don't, he's helped me. I know he's a runaway, but he has helped me. But now I'm sending him back to you so the things that he helped me bear, I now am willing to bear by myself, because he'll be helpful to you as he's been helpful to me. There are moments in your life where you may have to release people and carry your own burdens. It's no guarantee that the onesimuses of your life will be there forever, but you may have to free them, and now you must bear your own burdens that's exactly what Paul is getting to he says now he's been helpful to me but now I'm giving him back to you and in doing so I'm willing to carry my own weight Paul says "Uh, I know that he may have he may have cost you some expenses so what I want you to do is this charge whatever expenses he's a accrued to my account. Now, if you're looking at it, it gets better than that. Paul is a skilled arguer. He knows diatribe. Listen what he said. Uh, If if Onesimus uh, spent anything, charge it to my account. Uh, I'll write you an I-O-U. And send me the bill and I'll pay it. But he doesn't say I'm sending Onesimus, your slave, back to you. He says, I'm sending now your brother back to you. The language changes stuff when you start receiving a brother back. It says, now, I'm sending your brother back to you. And what I want you to do is receive your brother. Say, now, he's my son in the faith the same way that you are my son. And then he goes on one step further. He said, and I want you to know one more thing. Charge my account and be careful because you know the same way Onesimus is indebted to me and you are indebted to me for me sending him, you know you owe me your life. It's right there in the scripture." You owe owe me your whole life. I guess at that point, it's not much to say, is it? Bear ye one another's burdens. Paul bore his burden, but now he's asking Philemon, he says, now you bear this burden with me. You receive Onesimus back at home. I know he's a runaway. But there are none of us without some debt, right? I mean, all of us owe something, don't we? I know that you own him by ownership, but now he's a brother in the faith. But I just want you to know, all of us are indebted somewhere, huh? That's what Paul was saying. And so he says, bear ye one another's burdens as Onesimus has borne my burdens and now I am bearing Onesimus' burdens. Onesimus will return and help bear your burdens. But when you can't carry your own burden and somebody else's burden, that is the time where you employ First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Now that's the image, the mighty hand of God. Because throughout the Old Testament, when you would see the hand of God, that was always symbolic of God's reaching down in and delivering. That's what it meant, the hand of God. The hand of God was the way that God reached in your human situation and he could come and rescue you at any time. Therefore, humble yourself. That is, stop trying to act like you so macho that you don't need help, that you so cool that can't nobody help you. Life got a way of teaching all of us that you need somebody. You ain't got to worry about it. So humble yourself under God's hand. And when God gets ready, Maybe not when you're ready, but when God gets ready. Because some of you right now are saying, Lord, I'm under your hand. I sure wish that you would pick me up now. Maybe the Lord says, I'm going to keep you there just a day or two, a week, a month longer. Not because I'm mad at you. Not because I'm not answering your prayer. But you can't appreciate deliverance until you can't carry the weight no more. So if I lift it too early, you may think you got out of it yourself. Because there are some of y'all here this morning, your testimony is simply this. If it had not been, for the Lord lifting me up, I wouldn't be in this church service right now. Because I found out it ain't my health, my money, my network, or my association. It's by the grace of God that God has lifted me up. And this is why he says, now cast your cares upon me. Cast them on me. Come on, play catch with me and throw your weight in my hand. And I will gather your weight and I'll hold it for you. But Paul, at the end of this, is going to cite some names at the last, and I'm through, in Philemon about who's there to help carry his weight. And he says, uh, Epaphras is here with me. You see that? And he talks about Marcus Dan, there and Luke is here. And Demas, don't miss this. Demas is with me. Alexandra is with me. These are people who are with him, actually living out the three boomerangs of bearing each other's burden, my own burden, and casting burdens on the Lord. But then when you come to Paul, when he's getting ready to die, 2 Timothy 4 And this is after Paul has given his valedictory speech. He says, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. And I've kept the faith. And by the way, he's in jail again. Now, this is Paul in jail about to see death. And when he gets here, he starts naming people who have been beneficial to him. And in this cold, out-of-the-way, isolated dungeon, He says, be diligent, you see that? And come to me quickly. That's verse number nine. And this is why he wants that. It's because the very people that was with me in Philemon have forsaken me in Timothy. Let me say it again. The very people that were with me in Philemon have forsaken me over in Ephesus. Look at verse 10. For Demas have forsaken me. And he loved this present world more. And all I have is Luke, the physician. I got John Mark, who's with me. Alexander, the copper smith. He's turned himself over to the devil. And that's why, even though you want other people to bear your burden, make sure, ultimately, that it's the Lord that bears your burden. Because some of us are hurt now because of what people who have been close to us have done to us. But don't you fret about that, that's a part of life. Let me say it again, S- some of y'all stop praying, stop worshiping, stop praying and praising mad, because you helped somebody, and they did not respond in kind. Well, it happened to Paul in Philemon. That is, he had Demas was with him, Alexandria was with him, but as soon as he needed them, showed sure enough needed them, because in Philemon, he was in a prison where he could walk around. But when he got here to Ephesus, he's locked up, and they're getting ready to take off his head. So I don't need you if they got me locked up and I can walk around. I, I, I I don't need you if I can have visitation and walk outside the gates and tell them I'll be right back. I'm just going down here. But I need you when I'm chained up and leading me on my death march. And at that moment, when he needed Demas, he couldn't find him. He had found something else more appealing. But thank God, when friends forsake you and when friends can't be found and when folk you have depended on are not there, don't you fret. We got a burden bearer. We have somebody, oh Lord have mercy. We have somebody that has gone all the way with us We got somebody that can lighten our loads. A few summers ago, I was over in London and I wanted to go into the Potter's Field and I saw the grave of John Bunyan and on the side is the picture of Bunyan's pilgrim and there's the picture of the bands of his burden snapping loose and falling down in an open grave. I started in my mind going back of how Bunyan had taken his walk through the destructive city to the celestial city ran into the evangelist and the evangelist pointed him to wicked gate and got the wicked gate and there he started the straight and narrow way and then ran upon the good shepherd Jesus himself and he pointed him to the cross, and when he got to the cross, all he did was look at the cross, and the band snapped loose, and the burdens fell in an open grave at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. When was the last time you connected with a church that made a dramatic difference in your life? Every week, Pastor Ralph Douglas West is making that kind of difference in the lives of people around the world. So call us or visit us on the web at churchwithoutwalls.org to find out more about our books, DVDs, and other fantastic resources. We also invite you to partner with us as we continue to take this ministry to a global audience. Your prayers and financial support are critical in allowing us to expand this remarkable message. So call the number on your screen to discover how you can become a partner with us today. And when you're in the Houston area, we invite you to visit us for a life-changing experience at The Church Without Walls. Rebuilding a generation. Ralph Douglas West and Church Without Walls. Come visit us. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship with you at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with Chapel and Student Ministries by following us on Instagram at TWUChapel and at TWUStudentMin. Much love.